guys, welcome back to The Average Pundit, your home of all things Premier League. We've got a really exciting episode today. Um, today's episode is a collaborative effort with the wonderful guys over at Winning Mentality Productions. We've got two of their top guys uh, today. If you're not familiar with what they, with, with what they do, uh, they're aspiring sport journalists and they produce some really good content over on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, all of your top uh, top streaming platforms so i'd seriously recommend checking those guys out at the end of this video if you're watching on youtube we'll have all of their information in the description below uh but first things first as always i'm joined by my co-host reese how you doing mate i'm good how are you we're you know still in strange times and uh let's get cracking with a with another fantastic podcast right now yeah mate uh yeah doing all doing all good over here at the moment it is a difficult time but thankfully we've got this ticking us over Absolutely. Okay, so, uh, introductions to be made. First person we've got, we've got lifelong Liverpool fan and we've got the founder of Winning Mentality Productions, Mr. Chris Stonich. How are you doing, Chris? Amazing. You know what, mate? That's, uh, not many people pronounce my name correctly first time. That is incredible. I love to hear it. <laughs> I'm very good, mate. How are, how are you guys? Yeah, yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Uh, glad, glad to hear I got that right on the first go as well. It was awesome. <laughs> always, always starting, always starting positive. Yeah. And then uh, we've got joined uh, joined with us as well today. We've got lifelong Real Madrid fan and active Premier League follower, Mr. Hassan Karim. How are we doing, Hass? Living the quarantine dream, of course, like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> the quarantine dream. That's awesome. <laughs> His quarantine dream is talking to me every day for about five hours. I cannot escape this guy. I cannot escape him. Like a bad smell. I just can't get rid of him. What do you mean bad smell, mate? You don't shower. <laughs> we're, starting as we, we're starting this podcast as we mean to go on. That was personal. That was not <laughs> um, So, yeah, guys. So, today, we're, we've got an interesting topic. We're going to be going through how we feel the Premier League season is going to end. If you're not currently familiar, which I'm, it will be very difficult if you're not, but as a football fan... All of the top leagues right now are currently going under their own uh, individual discussions and going over their own methods on how is the best way to end the top flight leagues. Um, currently in world football, uh, a couple of the top leagues have already come to a conclusion. Uh, the French top division has decided to give PSG the title and the Eredivisie, I believe, has decided to make the season null and void. So before we go more in depth with the Premier League. I just want to know what you guys think about this. So I'll start with you, Haas. Um, in terms of just giving the league, the league title to someone, do you think that's something which the Premier League should replicate or do you think there's another way to go about it? I think in the situation with PSG, they were so far ahead, I think realistically that was always going to be the foregone conclusion. And it's the same in the Premier League really as well. Uh, I think Liverpool are you know, that far ahead. That, that part of the sort of argument is pretty much already solved for you. Uh, it's the rest of it that's obviously the problem, but that's something we'll touch on later on. Yeah, definitely. Um, Chris, if the Eredivisie, that their, their current kind of mentality was to make the season null and void, in terms of the Premier League, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, it's, it must be quite hard to hear the potential option for a null and void, um, null and void decision to go ahead in the Prem. But can you see any merits at all of making the season null and void? Well, it gets it done, I suppose. Like, that's probably the only merit it is. But it's like throwing a meal in the bin, though, isn't it? Like, you've eaten three quarters of your roast dinner and you're throwing the rest of it in the bin even though you quite enjoy it like why would you why would you do that <laughs> there's no point um but i'll get into my, my arguments on it later but i think the null and void brigade are slowly becoming undone by all the legal ramifications of it so yeah i think that's a valuable point to bring up there um reese as somebody who again enjoys european football indulged in european football 
what do you think of the French and, and the Dutch dancers at the moment? I mean, when you've got teams like, uh, you know, you've got Ajax and PSG leading both of their leagues, then uh, the leagues are always going to be a foregone conclusion, as, as Haas said. So um, making it null and void, I think that the champions should have just been given, you know, given their title. Um, and actually, to be fair, a- AZ were, were quite uh, unlucky to miss out in the Eredivisie. And I, I know their fans were were really disappointed that their season was, was just thrown in the bin. So um, when it comes to, you know, f- choosing whether the Premier League should, you know, we'll have to take a lot of things into consideration and what these other leagues have done. Yeah, I think right now we're, we're in quite a fortunate position Was in terms of the actual coronavirus. We were a little bit slightly, ever so slightly more prepared than some of the other countries which got hit significantly worse than us across Europe. So right now we can use the other leagues, we can overuse the other countries right now who are going through the difficult sporting decisions a little bit early on as almost a guide. So I think that's it's quite an interesting position we find ourselves in. But um, at the moment, the Premier League are undergoing the decisions. Uh, there's a lot of rumours and a lot of talks going around. Nothing concrete at the moment. But as of today, I've started seeing a few things reported by Sky Sports about under 45 minute halves being brought in. It's an it's an interesting one. I, I, personally, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, Chris, if we start with you, mate, with under 45 minute halves, do you see any merit to that in the Prem? Well... If you're talking about nulling and voiding it, and beforehand you, you were like, but surely those games with under 45 minute halves aren't comparable to the rest of the season. So then it's finishing it in a way that can't be comparable. So therefore, it's almost as bad as like finishing it now because you can't compare it all. So I, I personally, I just don't see any point. Like if you're going to do it, do it properly. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that 100%. I mean, the, the thought of. Go, you played like three quarters of the season or going through the exact normality of football. And then for the remainder of it, you bring in something completely alien, which we haven't seen yet. I really don't see the point in that. So I think that's a, it's, it's a valuable thing to bring up. Um, Haas, would you agree with this? Would you disagree? Well, well, what's your opinion, mate? Yeah, I think definitely if you're going to do it, do it properly. But I think the only reason that's kind of been suggested maybe is because obviously, you know, all your favourite strikers and defenders and midfielders have probably been sat, like all us are, are indoors eating frozen pizzas on a regular basis. Um, so, you know, the lack of fitness is probably a big issue, which is why they're thinking, well, if we've maybe reduced it. But I also think, you know, they're trying to pretty much just bring it back in any form possible just because people are clamouring for it so much. So I think they're kind of just doing anything that they can at this stage in the safest way to do that. Uh, whether or not it's the right thing to do, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. The, 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 it's almost the, the desire to get football back up and going is almost kind of defeating the actual parameters for safety, I think, which is it, it's, it's, it's something which is really... It, that, that, that goes way beyond the, the realm of just safety. It's ethical, it's moral, it, it's, it's how we go about that in, in, a, in a wider sense. Reese, in terms of the 45-minute halves, bringing football back early, do you think that's an ethical decision? Do you think that's something you know that needs to be taken into consideration more? Uh, I think when you look at you know the, the whole situation i mean the time play does not affect uh the spreadability of this you know this disease and i think when you look at it that way you know you've got people going for sly tackles you've got uh pulling of t-shirts you're always going to be side to side when no matter what and you know with this whole virus you you can have the virus without having any symptoms and i think if if any player 
uh, if play was to resume underneath, you know, maybe 30 minute halves, I believe every player should have an immediate test before the game um, or like a couple of days before, uh, before the team actually, you know, before the teams make the pitch. Yeah, I, I think I think that is a it's, it's a good idea. I think it, it brings into question resources and and how prepared we are as a country. I mean, because there's still cases of NHS workers still not being able to be tested yet. So I thought the opportunity to get that to the Premier League first is something which could be quite quite difficult to bring into the mix. Um, in terms of coronavirus testing, um, at the moment, other countries are starting to lead the the forward thinking in in, in getting that to delved out to their sports people. Um, countries such as Germany, countries such as France, they're starting to kind of uh, hopefully trying to bring more coronavirus testing to the forefront, which brings me on to my next point that we're going to discuss. Uh, the idea of neutral ground matches being played. So there's a couple of different arguments for this. There's the neutral ground in our own country. So people are saying that Premier League clubs go and play at grounds which are separate to their own stadiums, which I, I fail to see the, the point of really. Um, maybe to, again to stop the spread, but I really do fail to see the point of. And then the other side of it is to play matches abroad. Uh, a couple of the countries which have been under discussion is Australia and New Zealand. I'm going to start with Reese on this one. Um, in terms of playing matches abroad, do you see any benefit to that? Um, I, I think that you know there's a lot of benefits to be had when you come to uh, playing abroad, especially if it's a place that you don't have the virus as uh, predominant. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a weird day. Um, yeah, but you can't be too safe when it comes to playing football and having, you know, 22 people on a pitch because not only do you bring those 22 people on the plane uh, for both teams, you've got a 23 man squad, you've got people on the bench, your managers, your trainers. You know, you've, you're bringing about 50 people. Uh, for both teams and that's probably not a safe environment especially if you're looking at the spread because if you're coming from a country like England that have had hundreds of thousands of cases then you're looking you know to spread it to places like Australia that have been talked about and I'm not sure that Australia should be wanting people to come over that have had a high number of uh, coronavirus uh, patients. Yeah, I think that's that's the argument is whether it's a discussion of pure sport or the, the, this is a discussion of money. Because um, you can imagine the kind of money which would be thrown at another country to let us play their matches over there. So I feel like wherever we go, money is going to be the main thing in question. Uh, Chris, what, what what do you think on the situation, mate? Um, well, I think you can. It can happen. Like if, from a selfish point of view, I would want that to happen. Um, but it isn't about being selfish in this situation. It's about being like trying to think about all all parties. And I do I do see what you mean about spreading it to other countries. But I think if you work hard on isolating those fifty people together, not spread, keeping social distancing rules, and keeping residents of that other country, whether it be New Zealand, Australia, um, away from those people, like it can be done. It can be done. But at the same time. It, it could be a little bit like, you know, you know, the Simpsons movie where they have like the bubble over over the town. Yeah, uh, it, it's a bit more like that <laughs> in just in, in another country, like moving the entire complex of, say, Brighton or Southampton over to Queensland or something like that. It, it's a weird one, but I think I think it's possible, but it's not ethical. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I'd agree with that there. I mean, the, the questions of going over and transmitting the, the disease and stuff like that, it, it, it must be very high at the forefront. I feel like if it, if it can be done and if there's science behind it, if there's proof that it can be done, then I see no personal objection into, have, into having the conversation. Right now, I do not feel that like the return to football necessarily is a priority, but I feel like if it can be done safely, then it certainly needs to be in the mix. Uh, Haas, as a La Liga follower as well, and as somebody who keeps his toe in, to, toe in the water of the Premier League, you've obviously got two huge leagues which you're currently yeah. investing in. Um, as a Real Madrid fan, it must be hard, obviously, because Real Madrid, obviously, every season consecutively, they're, they're, they're doing well to some kind of parameter. There's a lot of competition now in the in La Liga. But as a neutral fan in the Premier League, do you see the benefits into moving the, the league abroad in order to carry on? Yeah, there's definitely you know, a benefit of it in that sense. But then there's also sort of like off the field uh, things that take into consideration, not just obviously for the club, but also kind of fans as well who are watching from wherever they'll be watching from. So, as you know, there's the whole myth of home advantage and stuff like that, which people won't want to lose, especially those teams down at the bottom of the table uh, who are scrapping for relegation. Yeah. Um, but then there's other issues such as like, obviously, you know, you, obviously the Premier League is huge, so they've got fans all over the world. The other issue you've got is that as as much as they will say, you know, don't come to the stadium or anywhere near the stadium, you'll get people who think, oh, we'll go, you know, in and around nearby. Um, and that issue is always going to be an issue somewhere. So like, I, I don't know how they're, exactly they're going to tackle this because whatever they do, they're going to ha- run into some sort of issue somewhere. You know, social distancing is just going to be a very hard thing to uh, implement, both not just with the players and staff in the, in the ground, but also, you know, people outside as well. So, um, this one, I actually don't know how they're supposed to tackle this one. If I'm honest, it's it's um, I mean it's unprecedented. We, none of us have ever seen this in our in our lives when it comes to football. Um, <clears throat> obviously, just before the 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 mass lockdown and and, and the mass kind of um, stopping of all sport, we all got to see our fair few games played behind closed doors. I know the last mm. game that I personally watched behind closed doors was uh, Man United versus Lask in the Europa League. And I just, it was so bizarre to see because it just, it, it, again, it's something we've, we've, we've 100% never seen before. So um, the, the, the merit of playing matches behind closed doors, I can see the benefits from it. But from a football fan standpoint, I mean, I, I don't know if there's, if, if it's worth going ahead for. Um, Chris, as a fan of a, of a large club like Liverpool, the idea of playing at a ground like Anfield, where there's nobody kind of there to, to, to give it any noise, as Anfield normally does have, what do you think that kind of effect has on the players, on the mentality and on, on, on the atmosphere on the day? Well, it's going to change it. Of course, it's going to change it. But in terms of actually going out there and getting the result, it shouldn't because they should be so focused on actually playing football. It shouldn't really matter what the crowd is there, whether because, you know, they play at the Etihad. There's no atmosphere there anyway. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's kind of like playing at the Etihad every week. But um in, in, in all in all in all seriousness, like they should they shouldn't be it shouldn't change their mentality because there's no one there. They're there to do a job, whether there's people there or not, and I, it, they should be playing to their maximum ability anyway, whatever the crowd, uh, whether there is a crowd there or not. Yeah, obviously, I mean, with the argument being on the wages they're on, you know, they're professionals, you know, they should be able to perform in these different environments. Uh, Has would you agree with that? Um, yeah, it's, it, it just takes away from a hell of a lot. I mean, I've only seen a couple of instances before this virus where the game was played behind closed doors. 
And the most recent one I can think of was when Real Madrid played Legia Warsaw in the Champions League. And it was just it was just miserable. Like it was just absolutely miserable. Um so I'm I'm just not a fan of closed door games in any sense, you know, before this virus and during it. Um yeah. so yeah, I just I am not I'm not keen on that idea at all. Well, I mean, at the moment, the 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 only the other thing which is in the in the ether right now is potentially playing next season as well in the Premier League behind closed doors. Reese, again, as somebody who on this podcast every week, you and me go through the Premier League, we break it down, we 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 divulge in the Premier League, and we're we're big Premier League fans as well. Can you see any potential benefits? Can you see the negatives in playing next season behind closed doors? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's going to be a lot of uh, you know negatives but not only have you got you know the, the down revenue of ticket sales you can't you know as a club you can't really bring in uh, a lot of revenue and that might bring you know bring a lot of transfers down with the financial fair play rules so um a lot of clubs might struggle to bring in players if they don't have the the revenue you know the season after especially if they don't have any ticket sales also a lot of clubs thrive on the the sound of their home fans you know, Liverpool is one of them. You go to Anfield as an away supporter or, or an away team, and you're swamped with uh, the the beautiful song of "You'll Never Walk Alone" and the constant chanting. And the you know, not only have you got to face the front three, the, the dangerous front three, and the the horrible back four, and the world class midfield, the one of the best goalkeepers in the world. You've also got to face probably some of the best fans in the world as well. Yeah, I think that's 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 a really interesting point to bring up with. Obviously, passionate clubs all over the um, the UK and all over world football. Liverpool definitely are one of the clubs in that conversation, if not possibly one of the leading conversations for atmosphere at their home ground. Um, brings me on to then talking a bit more about Liverpool. Obviously, after an absolutely phenomenal season, completely dominant, um, Liverpool is still top of the league, obviously, with 82 points with Man City in second with 57. So right now, I think it's probably a very good time to admit Liverpool were always going to win the league, which is something which I feel like everyone probably had already made peace with, even including myself as a United fan. It's hard to admit that, but of course they've been phenomenal and they deserve it. They 100% deserve it. But the implications brought on by the coronavirus has started to bring into the question of whether it's ethical to give them the title. Um, I'm going to start with Haas as the neutral here, as somebody who, uh, again, is more of a fan of a, of a separate league, but does follow the Premier League as well. Giving Liverpool the title as the current standings, do you feel like that is an ethical decision to be made? Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, again, they've, they've been, you know, un- unprecedentedly good. They've just, they've absolutely smashed it this season. You know, as much as you may hate them, as much as you may dislike them, uh, and as unbearable as they may be, um, uh, you can't question the credentials of this season. They, you know, they were unbeaten for so long. Uh, they're so far ahead of everybody else and have looked that way for the entirety of the season. So to try and argue against them being given the title, I think, is uh, it's nonsensical. And yeah. uh, it's just it's just biased if you try and argue against it. There's it, just it, no way you can argue against it. It kind of is, isn't it? I mean, as 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 a, as an, another top six like 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 fan, I mean, no matter what club you support, you, there is no way you can deny the talent that that team has possessed. And I I one hundred percent think that based on the league, I mean, if the Liverpool walked away, if if none of this happened, if Liverpool played all the rest of their games, walked away with the title, no one has a right to complain. I mean, it's frustrating as it is; they were incredible; they deserve it. Um, yeah, precisely. 
Yeah, 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 100%. I'm, I'll move on to Reese now. As a uh, as a Liverpool fan, we, we we know we know you well. We 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 know your your thoughts on Liverpool well. <laughs> it must be very good to see Liverpool in this situation. But can you see any potential backlash coming from Liverpool being awarded the title? Um, yeah, I think that a lot of fans will have a lot of quarrel when it comes to us winning the league. Um, whether that be a gifted or the league does start again you never know um it will throw into question what happens with the relegated team you know the, with the relegation battle as well will the teams that are currently in the relegation zones have a playoff or will they just go down and, and the teams in the championship come up and it's 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 going to be a bit of um either way you go about it there's going to be controversy there's no way of getting around the the, the situation right now um but i think that you know we've worked so hard all season and and to have uh you know liverpool have never won the league and i never thought we would in in my lifetime i mean the the way that we were going you know back in 2011 we had an absolutely appalling team and now to see how much we've grown and to see where we've come from it's it, it would have been amazing to to have capped off capped off this season with with a with a title win but uh it, as as this whole pandemic went on it looked a lot you know, it was. It looked very unlikely. I was going to say you brought in a really good argument in there about the uh, relegation candidates, which we will touch on in a bit. Um, Chris, again, as another big Premier League fan, a big Premier League follower, and as a devout Liverpool fan, it must be again amazing to see your club doing so well. But slightly heartbreaking, you can't see it in the way which you wanted to. Uh, I wanted to ask: Do you feel like the the awarding of the Premier League to Liverpool under the circumstances will that probably will that lessen the award in any way or would you will you still feel the the pride and and will you do you think the club still will have the full honour of receiving the Premier League? I think they will. I think the only people who make it less of a title are Twitter fans because they'll people will do anything to score points against each other. People will do anything to make make it seem not as legit as it was but this team has the most points out of any league team in any of the top six leagues ever period yeah so, so i think to any for anyone to try and discredit them would be an absolute <laughs> a nonsense as as has said um and, and you, you brought up a good point Reese, is that um the relegation spots, and this is why it's so difficult to try and please everyone. You can't please everyone. So I, I can't come up with a way in which that it could be finished because I'm not a big brain. I'm not I'm not paid to deal with that. But um, if, if anyone tries to discredit this Liverpool team, they, they are they are just stupid, <laughs> being yeah. honest. I mean, after such an amazing season... It... The, the 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 even the thought of of, of possibly like diminishing it, it it can bring up so many issues um as reese and chris both did mention in their arguments the 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 relegation candidates are another massive implication in this right now norwich currently sit at the bottom of the league with 21 points aston villa sit just above them with 25 and bournemouth with 27 but going up to all the way up to 15th from 15th downwards there is rarely any space between them i mean at the moment, Brighton have 29 points and West Ham and Watford are both on 27 as well. And Southampton are the next club safe with 34. So it could be such a scrappy end to the season, however it's played. If we are able to play it out properly, it could be incredible. But 
I feel like if the season does get ended early, there is going to be a tremendous sense of uproar from the uh, fans at the bottom of the Premier League table. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Reese, on this one. At the bottom of the Premier League table, Bournemouth, Villa, Norwich fans, we have seen uh, a poorer quality of form than uh, uh, other teams in the league. Do you feel like they still do get the chance to possibly get themselves out of the situation? Or if the season ended as it is, do you feel that that could be justified? Absolutely. I mean, you look at the you know the two previous games that Bournemouth played uh, before the season ended. They took Chelsea to a two-all two draw, and they also uh, they they almost took Liverpool to task. They they took the lead, and they pressured us for a lo- the majority of the game. You know, we were only able to scrape a two-one victory out of that. And I think Bournemouth would have had the fight to, you know, if if they would have put up that fight against us and Chelsea, they could have put that fight up against the remaining teams that they had. And I think that it's unfair to to halt their momentum and, you know, for their cry to get out of the relegation zone because, you know, they are a good team. They're full of really promising players. Nathan Ake will be swooped up no matter what this summer if, you know, teams, you know, if the Premier League is not carried on and, I think it would be harsh for Bournemouth especially to have not have the opportunity to try and escape. Maybe the bottom two teams, I'm not sure because their form has, you know, it's it's had a standstill for a while. I think those, two, you know, Villa and, and Norwich were all, you know, they were known that, that they were going to go down for like half the season now. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, their form has been slightly... Uh... Not well, slightly. No, not not on the ball at all. Really, Norwich have had certainly had a season to forget in the Premier League. And Aston Villa, I think, as a club, which we've mentioned so many times before. Um, again, you, know, you can go back and watch our Aston Villa special with uh, Harry O'Neill, where we go on there and we talk about Villa's form. Um, it, it shocked quite a few people. They come into the the, the league, they spend a hundred million pounds, and you're like, okay, right, they've put the investment in. Can they translate it to the Premier League? But it hasn't seemed to happen, which leads me on to uh, thinking about the Championship clubs. You've got Leeds and West Brom, which are the clubs which were looking likely to come up to the Premier League, especially. And then obviously you know, you've got another playoff position as well to be to be fought for. Uh, Chris, in terms of these championship clubs, which are knocking on the door of the Premier League and could bring in a new sense of quality, do you feel like, uh, again, if we end the season as it is, those teams do deserve to come up? Are we, are we, if we're just talking the two automatic promotion teams, definitely. Yeah. Um, but then it leads you to the question of who's going to come up through the playoffs? What are the five or six teams going to go on a late run? Were Norwich and Aston Villa going to go on a late run? This is all ifs, buts and maybes, which can't be solved um, unless the season is played out. And it's, it's, it's a really tough one to think of. They would add they would add quality to the league. Leeds are a fantastic club, um, as, as a West Bromwich Albion. Um, but it just, it's all, all based on whether the season ends at this moment whether it ends in three or four months time when everyone's played and that includes the championship as well like the championship is a massive league and it, a lot of like legal ramifications come into play financial ramifications come into play and it's just so difficult to decide what to do yeah 100 it is genuinely all of these decisions coming in i mean i dread the guys who do have to come in and make these decisions because honestly it is such a difficult one um, but as fans of these clubs like Norwich, Villa and Bournemouth, 
it's got to be heartbreaking, you know, to, to, to see a club going through such a difficult time and not being able to really defend yourselves. Um, Haas, do you feel like the fans from these clubs are maybe getting the worst of this kind of situation? Yeah, this is definitely the most unfair scenario of all the scenarios in the Premier League. I mean, you know, the fight for European places is not really as, you know, it's tight there, but it's not nearly as tight as that relegation battle is. Um, you know, that's definitely the most unfair because there's so many more ramifications to being relegated than there are to getting into Europe. Yeah, you know, you get money for getting into Europe, you know, a considerable amount, but, you know, clubs can be broken by being, you know, relegated. Look at uh, teams like Sunderland, for example, teams like Stoke, who obviously have dropped and then have subsequently dropped even further as a result for not being, uh, you know, set for that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's unfair to think yeah, you know, we'll just leave it as it is and relegate people in that situation because you compare it to uh, Liga Earn where they've done that same thing, they've relegated sides. I think they did it on a points-per-game basis uh, or something along those lines. Um, and, in, in, you know, in turn, of, you know, they've annoyed a lot, of, a lot of clubs in different positions because they feel that, the, you know, the way it was decided wasn't correct and wasn't fair. Yeah. Um, because... As much as you can say, yeah, you know, we did it on an average points that we collated data for this window, and then like make it made a prediction. You can't predict things like that because sporting math never works. You can't put A and B and make C because it never works like that. At the end of the day, on any given day, anything can happen, and not just in football but any sport. That's why making those kind of calculations, I feel, is it's just wrong. Um, so you know, the only way for it to be fairly done is to allow those teams to, you know fight for those remaining games and yeah. you know rightfully earn that spot as opposed to trying to figure it out based on you know computer calculations or something like that i know uh, i think i think it was chris who said earlier you, you can't please everyone which which is genuinely kind of the motto of this whole situation i mean no matter how you end this there's always going to be some parties which are going to feel hard done by some parties which are going to feel left out of in the conversation so it's it's an extremely difficult situation that we all find ourselves in um has mentioned in his argument there about the european candidate battle that is um again a conversation in its own right but currently in the premier league the teams which are looking like they're going to get automatic um, European football, obviously Liverpool 100%, Manchester City and Leicester are looking like they're going to push for it. And then Chelsea, United, Wolves, even Sheffield and Tottenham, these are all teams which could potentially come back up and fight for it, even Arsenal, really. So I feel like the European candidate battle is going to be, is going to be extremely difficult as well. Uh, I'll start with Chris on this one. In terms of the European candidate places, Right now, I mean, especially with the Europa League and the Champions League still going, I mean, for all we know, it could have been Manchester United was still on course with the Europa League. I think we had a strong chance of potentially winning that. Do those seasons get made null and void? And also, do the current standings get the automatic um, European slots for next season? Um, uh, For this season, I think you've got to try and play out the games that were going to be played in terms of the Europa League and the Champions League. In terms of next season... I would be, I would be favourable as to saying there's no European games at all, because it just adds extra complications to what is the most complicated situation ever, and it can be played without it. And yes, it's tough on the likes of Sheffield United who could have made it, on Man United who could could have got into the Champions League via either the league or the Europa League. But I think if we play out our domestic domestic seasons, I think take priority over European competition 
and I wouldn't, I might not be saying this if Liverpool was still in the Champions League. I don't know, um, but I think this season they got to be played out. Next season, I would not even start them. I think that is a very interesting argument to be made. Uh, Haas, where do you stand on it? Um, again, it's, it's it's similar. It's kind of similar to the relegation spot because there's so many teams that are so close. I mean, from fourth down to ninth, you could argue it's pretty much open season. Um, yeah, and for teams like I mean, it would be Sheffield. I feel sorry for the most because you know, imagine being a team that was expected to be favourites for relegation, and you punch way above your weight, um, put up a season like they have, and then just for it to be scrapped, taken away from them. I mean, you can only imagine. I mean, because sports psychology is a real, you know, it's a legitimate thing. It's a real thing. Imagine the knock-on effect mentally that will have on not only, you know, Chris Wilder, but the squad. It's like, you know, we did all this and it was just stripped away from us and there was nothing we can do about it. And then yeah. they go into next season, you know, with a chip on the shoulder and not quite able to pick themselves up to do it again. Uh, you know, if they were able to do something like that again. So, again, that's a situation where you kind of have to allow it to be played out because... It, it's it's only fair because there's so many teams in the mix for that position and all the ramifications that come with it. Now, for yep. a club like Sheffield, getting European football, imagine how big that would be for them. Not only for, you know, a, a euphoric sort of position, you know, saying like, yeah, you know, we're in Europe, you know, financially as well. That puts, You know, that brings a hell of a lot of income for a club, you know, like Sheffield. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, as you mentioned, Sheffield as a club have had a phenomenal season. Players all over the pitch and players um, and man- and the manager, especially, I mean, Chris Wilder. I mean, what a phenomenal season he's had. Uh, Reese, would you have been a fan of seeing Sheffield in the European slots? Uh, I mean, it would be very different to see, you know, a, t- a team that was, I mean, they were promoted last season. You know, this is their first season in the Premier League since uh, I think it was 2005 or 2007 yeah, around about that. them and you know they've they've done phenomenally Wilder's taken them to to new heights that never could have even been imagined and a lot of the the players there would have, their stock would have would have risen so much and you you look at that team and maybe if the league was played out a lot you know more uh then some of the players might not be there next season if this whole pandemic didn't happen then a lot of those players might have been picked up by, you know, teams that are higher up in different leagues or maybe higher up in the Premier League, um, unless you know they had they have a vision and the players have really invested. So this will, you know, like mentioned earlier, this will hurt the morale of of the locker room in in, in Sheffield's team, and maybe they are now invested in in the, in the movement that they're making, and they could build around this squad that they've got right now, and they you know they could they could become you know, mainstays in, in, in European, you know, Europa League contention. Yeah, 100%. I want to round this off today, guys. I want to go through everyone's own personal opinions on how they feel the league should end. Um, starting with myself, personally, I think, as mentioned, as hard as it is to mention as a United fan, it's a complete discredit to not give Liverpool the league. But I do feel like the European and relegation candidate battles are so intense in their own right. I think giving them as their current standings, even though that would mean United get Europa League, for example. I, I would prefer to start the Premier League, but um, sorry, the Champions League rather. But I, I feel like if just giving them the current standings of where they're at is a difficult conversation. But as we've gone on and the more we've discussed, I don't know. I feel like the, the way to do it would probably be to end the season as the current standings. I feel like that may be the safest way to go about things. Um, if we move on to Haas, what do you think, mate? 
Um, I mean, for me, I mean, this is something I've seen obviously over in the league as well with the cup final. They basically said, yeah, we'll play it only when fans are available because both clubs really push for that to be a thing. Uh, so they're basically just going to wait it out and they've both waived European football off as a result uh, for both clubs. So, you know, that's something I'd do is just wait until the situation's actually safe to do so, however long that be. Because everything's going to get pushed back regardless, I think, you know, whatever you do. Um, so, you know, that's what I would do. I'd, I'd just sit and wait it out. Um, in terms of what I think will actually happen, I think most likely is. Uh, I reckon they'll try to restart it and, it's going to be an inevitable case of, you know, a, a few people are going to pick up the virus as a result and that'll put it all back to square one. And they'll just think, yeah, we're going to throw the towel and just end it as it stands. So that's kind of almost what happened in the Bundesliga the other day. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but I think it was Solomon Kalou who picked it up and he, like, it, it spread across his club and stuff like that. Um, putting the Bundesliga's restart on hold again. Obviously that has changed this morning, but that's how I, I feel like it's going to end up being that, you know, they'll get a couple of games out, something like that will happen. Unfortunately, of course, I wish that wouldn't happen, but realistically, you, you feel it's a sense of, you know, a sense that would be what happens. Uh, and then they'll realise it's just not a, a risk worth taking to continue this. So, yeah, I think I'm with you, Joe. I think they're just going to end it as it stands once they've had a couple of games where they realise it's just dangerous. Yeah, I think it's a really thorough argument there. But I think, again, the same kind of conclusion we've reached there. I think it'll almost go the way you've said, I think, in my opinion. I do see a lot of, a lot of merits to go in that route. Uh, Chris, how do you feel it's going to go, mate? Um, well, Hass has just changed my opinion a little bit. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> he said about waiting it out. Well, there's, no, there's loads of talk about nulling and voiding this season. Well, why don't we null and void next season? Because it doesn't even exist yet. And play the remaining games when it's safe to do so yes it's we've had as I, i'll make the same analogies i did earlier we've had our roast dinner we've eaten 75 percent of it why would we get rid of the other 25 percent and throw it in the bin when we could just not eat the roast dinner that we're going to make tomorrow and and that i think that's fair enough is that if we wait for when the time is right i think everyone will benefit but this world is a very fast and impatient one and it will probably go the way that you said. Someone will pick it up and it will be back to square one again. And we'll just have to do it from the current standings. And Reese, to cap us off, mate, how do you feel that we're, we're, we're going to end the season? Well, first of all, I've got to say that all this talk about roast dinner is making me hungry. So <laughs> um, I feel as if uh, the Europa League spots and the relegation spots should be handled with a rock, paper, scissors tournament. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, we, I think that... It has to be handled in a very mature situation. You've got to take a lot of things into consideration. Uh, the teams that have had the virus, players that have, uh, you know, that, that are, it may, might be Im, uh, immunocompromised. And also, you know, uh, if, if you can have the tests on standby, if you want to carry it on, if not, then you have to sort out a way to, I mean, it, it's not everyone's going to be pleased. You're going to have complaints no matter what. You just got to do what's best for the safety of the players, safety of the managers, and the safety of the league. Um, I really like the idea that Chris said about not avoiding next season. We can finish out this season and then start again. Uh, you know, in in 2020, uh, 2022, sorry. And you know, they can have a, a elongated period where they can train, they can see their families a lot more, and and have a bit of a bit of that time. Yeah, I think again, three very 
valid and three very uh, thought out um, ways to end the season we've got there. Rock, paper, scissors and roast dinner leading the conversations <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 interesting arguments to throw in there as well, obviously. But um, guys, I want to say a massive thank you to uh, Winning Mentality Productions for being on today. Hass and Chris, you guys have both come in and given some extremely great opinions, extremely great arguments. So thank you so much for this collaboration podcast today, boys. No worries, mate. No worries. Yeah, it's All in the name of the game, my man. All in the name of the game. <laughs> 100% been something that we've been looking forward to getting sorted for a long time. Uh, Chris, I just wanted to ask just briefly before we go, um, if our listeners want to get in contact with you guys, if they want to take in your, your, all of the content you guys make, uh, how can they access you? Um, at Women Pro on Twitter and Instagram. We're not very active on either of those, but oh well. Um, and Winning Mentality on YouTube. That's probably the mo- main thing we do, as well as podcasts on Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, and any other good provider. Brilliant. Thank you so much, mate. And as always, I've been joined by my co-host, Reese. Thank you so much again, Reese. As always, you know, we're always going to be uh, by each other's side, either in the studio or in this uh, in this sort of pandemic situation. So uh, as there is uh, a lot of... Uh, promoting going around i'll take the time to do some myself uh so you can catch us on our instagram page at average pundits our twitter page at pundits average you can get in contact with us with our business email uh at average pundits at outlook.com you can also catch us on our facebook page and uh whichever platform you may be listening on right now uh you can catch us on our youtube page the average pundits subscribe to us there turn on notifications like this video share uh, if you're listening on Spot, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Music, Google, and also Anchor, and any other good uh, provider which you can listen to with your podcast. Brilliant! There we go, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Average Pundits, and we will see you next time.